Um, I want to thank Alan McLaughlin up there. I uh, imposed upon him on his day off. Usually Buzz has been recording and uh, grabbed Alan this morning at the service and said, Alan, can you come? And uh, he said yes, so thank you, Alan. I can't hear Alan. <laughs> All right. I know we have a couple of people who haven't been here um, in the past, so I'm going to catch you up. This is the last class, I, I think, um, and I apologize for that. I had no idea when I started embarking on writing this how long it would take. I just said, I have a real burden to do this. That's, that's what I felt. And so I just decided I'm going to read a few books, and I'm going to put everything in front of me. And as usually happens, I get overwhelmed, and then I sit down and say, okay, Lord, just guide me in putting this together. In the first four weeks, really, we're kind of setting the stage. Um, talked about how did we get to where we got? Spiritually, morally, theologically, socially, culturally. And that's what the first four weeks were about. So if you missed it, you can always get it on CD or online. Um, and uh, someone tells me that it may be up. I don't know. Buzz is trying to get that organized. But last week, we talked about evangelism specifically. And I gave you several different models for evangelism. And, uh, and this was the last one, which I'm going to refer to again. Um, but I'm not going to go into detail like I did last week with this one. But I just want to talk a little bit about um, evangelism for a second. Because I think it's really, really helpful to just think about it. And um, again, because we forget the gift that we've been given sometimes. Because we get intimidated by the culture when it comes to evangelism. And we needn't do that. And uh, again, just to put the word up here, evangelism. <coughs> the Greek actually, the first two letters are actually EU. It's Uangalion. And EU has a prefix, it's the same prefix that's used for euthanasia, uh, good death, or uh, eulogy, good works. It's, uh, it's a prefix that means good news. It is shorthand for the gospel. Because that's what the word gospel means. It's good news. Okay, the good news of Jesus Christ. It's good news. And that's what we have to remember. The gospel is good news. And evangelism, of course, is the messenger. That's what angel is. A lot of words are made up words, by the way. Okay, this is one. <coughs> it is the messenger who brings good news. And if you think about it, the way all of us, I do this in the new members class, I kind of play word association, if you think about the word gospel, we have a good perception of the word gospel. And if you think about how the gospel impacted you, we feel good about how the gospel impacted us. And when you think about evangelism, not feeling word, thinking word, evangelism is a good concept. The whole idea of evangelism is a good thing. But when you begin to to go into the feelings of evangelism, that's when most people back off. Because of fear of rejection, because of bad experience, because of, you know, how you might be perceived. Whatever the reason that people don't do evangelism, it often comes from bad feelings. And what's fascinating, I also talked about this in the new members class, when we perceive that something is critical to our lives, we'll do it. If it is critical to your life, you will do it. For example, driving in a car is critical to most of our lives. Or riding in a car, at least. I mean, 
how do you get anywhere unless you ride in a motor, no motorized vehicle today in the United States? Most people don't walk everywhere, don't take a bicycle everywhere. You know? Some do. But at some point, you've got to get on some kind of motorized vehicle. Now, how many in here have been in an accident? At some point in your life? Oh, some point in your life. Yeah, some point in your life. Been in a car accident. You still ride a car? <laughs> You've had a bad experience with it. And you still ride it. Why? Because you perceive it as critical to your life. Right? See, the reality is, is that evangelism is critical to our life because Jesus commands us to do it. And it's critical to other people coming to faith because how does faith come? By hearing. It comes by the gospel. Faith comes by hearing. And so people have to hear the gospel. And the Lord doesn't say, if you have the gift of evangelism, then go and evangelize. Or if you feel like it, go and evangelize. Or if you have someone else next to you who has the gift, rely on them. You know, we're always deferring. You know that? If something is uncomfortable to us, we're always deferring. When it comes to service or reaching out or speaking about our faith, we're always deferring. And the Lord doesn't say, when you go out, defer. <laughs> he says, go out and serve. Go out and share. Go out and preach. I mean, we're supposed to all do certain things, whether we have a gift or not. Yes, there are certain people who are gifted in certain areas. But evangelism, I want people I love to be in heaven with so I carry a burden for them. And I go to lanes to somehow reach them one way or the other. I shared a little bit of that last week. So let me talk about, you know, one aspect. And, you know, we're talking about eternal separation from God if people go, don't come to Christ. Four aspects of evangelism that I want to talk about. Presence, pastoral, presenting or preaching or proclaiming. They can all kind of intertwine. And persuading. The first is just your presence. If you really understand the Christian's presence, we are meant to have, if you will, a salt and light presence among people. A salt and light presence. That when we're out about, that we are looking for opportunities to shine Jesus' light on people, to make a difference with people's lives. I can tell you, I shared a little bit with some people that were sitting around me at dinner tonight that I was having trouble with my car. What I didn't tell them is Monday when I went to get a diagnostic done on my car. I sat in the waiting room and I brought some work with me to do and I was planning on working. I said hi to this guy. I'm always friendly. And I started talking to him while I'm getting my coffee. Surprise, I'm getting my coffee. <laughs> and, and so I went and sat down and he said, would you mind if I sat down next to you? But, okay, Lord. <laughs> Which really shocked me. To be honest with you. Yeah, your car or Yes. Okay. Car. <laughs> really shocked me. And the guy, I figured the guy's probably about 75 years old. So I asked him what he did. And he said, well, I'm retired and primarily I play golf. I work all my life. Then he started going on into his work history. Told me everything that he did. And he said, I am tired of needing to be somewhere and doing something and doing for other people. Now it's all about what I want to do is about me. <laughs> Wrong thing. Just say. I said, you know what's interesting about that? I said, let me ask you a question. 
I said, don't you think that all of us are blessed with gifts and talents and abilities? I said, God's given to us. And that really what he wants us to do is to serve other people. There is something that he's built into us. That we need to be out there serving other people. And I think you need to find out what that means for you. I am not shy. (laughs) And he just looked at me. I mean, I thought the conversation was going to be over at that point. And I said, I play golf. I love playing golf. I play one day a week. Occasionally I'll get out a second day. And I said, how many times do you play? Five. Sometimes more. And I said, that's your job. I said, golf is not meant to be your job. I said, are you good? And he said, well, not really. He said, said, what's your handicap? And I said, well, my index 10. He said, you're kidding. (laughs) So we got into a conversation about golf, and it was really good. And I said, you know, golf is something that you're meant to enjoy. God, he says, I do. And I said, I do too. But it's not meant to be your life. So, I mean, I just kept hammering it away. So I said, you have children. So we started talking about his children. And he said, my one son's in law enforcement. And boy, the morals of this country. What do you think about that? And I said, well, let's talk about that. <laughs> and I went into part of what we've been talking about here. You know, about how, you know, people just are no longer worshiping. They're no longer seeking the Lord. They're no longer serving the Lord. Because there's really two options. Either God is sitting on the throne of your life. Or you are. Because you're serving yourself. <laughs> I'm telling you. He just wanted to keep talking. <laughs> Even though I'm sent, saying, potentially, offensive things. <laughs> well, I was saying offensive things. <laughs> yeah. but, it, but I think part of it is, it's all in how you say things. I really believe that. And it's all in how you're willing to engage people and talk to people. And all I was trying to do was just plant seeds. That's all I was trying to do. I wasn't trying to give them the whole gospel at the same time. Ask me where I was and, you know, what my church was told him I was here 25 years. And, you know, we had a great conversation. And I said to him when I was leaving, after I got my diagnosis, I said, hope I see you out of the golf course. He said, I do too. You know, it's just really, it was positive. <clears throat> we are supposed to bring God's presence wherever we go. That we're looking for opportunities to just plan. See, I didn't give him the whole gospel because the Lord didn't provide that total opportunity. You, you take the opportunity that the Lord presents you with, and you try to just plant little seeds to get movement from people so they begin to put themselves in a place. You know, we can do that. Sometimes I'll get into my favorite presentation of the gospel these days, which is Romans 6.23, you know, uh, which I presented last week. For the wages of sin is death, forgive of God. I might have done that. I had a pad with me because I always have my bag with me. And I might have pulled it out. I might have done this. I've done that with people in restaurants and places like that. <clears throat> I'll just say, let me share a scripture verse with you, and I'll go through this presentation of the gospel. Yes, that's one possibility that I can do with people, you know, at the drop of a hat. I taught um, several people in the first parish that I served. We lived in a, we didn't live there, but we served in a, what's called a transitional neighborhood. It used to be the suburbs of Pittsburgh back in, like, let's say the 30s or the 40s. Then the suburbs moved out, and then this became transitional neighborhood, lower-class whites, you know, some African-Americans, some uh, other countries, people moved in, some middle-class and upper-middle-class affluent people stayed there. It was really a mixed-bag community. 
And this church really was looking to grow, and we had started to grow. And uh, my first year there, from my first two years there as a, as a, as a seminarian, we went from about 100 on Sunday to about 150. My next two years there, we went to 250 on Sunday. The reason. I was um, a young guy who used to go out to the neighborhood and find the kids to play basketball, and I played basketball with them. I was part of the youth ministry there. Um, and we did door-to-door evangelism. Door-to-door evangelism. I trained people with this, but I said, here's what we're doing. We're going out to be present with people in the community. Sometimes you're going to be presenting the gospel. Sometimes you're just out there to listen to people to pray with them. Sometimes you're just there to basically say, we're present. Why don't you come visit us? You know, we are going out to be present in the community, and if we sense that the Lord is opening the door to present the gospel, Okay? That's why we're going out in the community. Two years we did this. Two years. Every Tuesday night. Never, ever got turned down. In a transitional neighborhood, never had someone refuse us. Ever. People heard about us. And this one guy came to the door. He was watching the hockey game at the Pittsburgh Penguins. They were in the playoffs. And he opened the door and said, I know where you're here. Come on. <laughs> so he came in and he had the hockey game on. I said, you can turn the sound down. I wouldn't mind having it on in the background. And he said, really? And I said, no, go ahead. I didn't want to have him have a bad memory. And his eyes, you know, went back and forth at times, but he listened. And we prayed with him at the end. Meredith was out of the group. Meredith kind of had wondered if I had the other group. And, um, <clears throat> and um, she said this woman got a phone call while they, uh, while they were there. And the woman said, let me call you back. I have some people from the local church and they're going to pray with me. Wow. Okay, so that has a ripple effect. And all we all we were doing was just going out to be present and available in the neighborhood and present and available to the Lord in the neighborhood. You know? Was it intimidating at first for the people that went out with us? Yeah, it was for me too. I mean, you know, I had never done door to door evangelism before. I've done evangelism before. I've gone out to high schools and kids and stuff like that. So it's a new experience, particularly in that neighborhood. And it was a great experience. We're just too intimidated by the culture. And we're told we're not supposed to do things like that. And all the Lord wants us to do is to just start out by being willing to be present with people and looking for opportunities to say, can I pray with you? Let me share some good news with you. And we'll get to what the other part of this talks about. Pastoring. You know, the other thing is, there are a lot of sheep and there are hurting people. We need to have a pastoral sense about ourselves. Not a judgmental sense, not a come down on you sense. A presence with people who have drifted away, people that are lost, people that are confused, and have that pastoral sense about us. You might not have the gift, but going along with presence and being present to people is just being willing to care for and pastor. When I first started off doing ministry with Young Life, pastoring was not my strong suit. Okay? going after you and zinging you and, you know, winning the argument, I was really good at that. But pastoring, that took a little time to cultivate. Okay? So that pastoral presence, where we're armed not with defensiveness, not with anger, not with judgmentalism, but with a prayerfulness about us and a, and a sense of peace about us and a caring about us. 
you know, where people are drawn to. Because we do care. Third, preach, proclaim, present the gospel, however you want to put it. That's evangelism. And if you think about it, and I talked about this last week, we are there to offer a gift. We're offering a gift. We're not the Holy Spirit. We're not there to convict them. The Holy Spirit may use us to convict them. We're not there to judge them. That's God's job, job, ultimately. We are there to present the gospel. And we need to be able to present the gospel. We need to be equipped to present the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Your presentation might not be perfect. You know what? You're not either. So your presentation by deed already is lacking. So if your presentation by word is lacking, you know what? It's better than nothing. Someone once said to me, you may be the only Bible someone reads. By your word and deed, by your sharing the gospel, by your presence with them. Do it. Do it. Just do it. Because people are dying out there without the gospel. And just, you know, pray that the Lord begins to work in their heart. Pray that the Lord gives you eyes to see and a heart to care and ears to be willing to listen to this. And fourth, persuasion. Persuasion. Uh, A.K.A. apologetics. Uh, Some people like to use the term argue. We need to be willing and able at some point as we progress to take people on. I don't mind doing that either. (laughs) You know, and it's not a bad thing. Study Jesus, study Paul, it's not a bad thing. Why do we think that's so bad? People are always evangelizing us. They're telling us what they believe. They're telling us how it is. They're telling us how it should be. They're always telling us what they believe. They're evangelizing. Make no mistake about it. Why are we so shy? And why are we so shy about defending? You know? We need, to, we need to learn what's going on in the culture. We need to listen to other people. We need to learn where they are so that we can target, target what it is we say. And you know, the only offensive weapon, by the way, in the arsenal, you know, if you have your pew Bible in front of you, just turn for a second. Such a great passage of being forearmed when you're going out. <coughs> it's Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, the whole armor of God, page 1067. <laughs> you know, if you think about it, that whole section of scripture is, you're in a spiritual battleground. If you're in a spiritual battleground, what does that mean? Sometimes you've got to fight. You know, it's not an ugly fight. You're, again, you're not, you're not throwing barbs, you're not calling names, you're not getting ugly. Don't get ugly. Okay? Getting ugly doesn't help. But look at verse 12. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. But the whole armor of God, you know, we need the faith. We need the truth. We need righteousness. We need the gospel of peace. We need the shield of faith. But, and the helmet of salvation, get your mind around it, be convinced. But the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You have got to know the Word, and you've got to be convinced about the Word. If you're going to go out. That's why the first place to start in getting equipped is knowing the Word of God. I started off that way in class number one. 
talking about the Word of God. Class number one. You know, uh, it's really, really interesting. I, and by the way, I always take opportunities for something like this. There was a woman in our church who said there's a woman at Broad Creek who used to be an Episcopalian. And she has almost died and she's in there recovering. Would you be willing to go see her? Sure. She's willing to see me. I'll go see her. So she told me that she stopped attending um, church in high school when she got disappointed with what was going on in church. So that's where we launched our discussion as we started talking and everything. I just wove the gospel in. And she said, you were supposed to come out today. What a great line. I call that a divine appointment. When the Lord, and, and I've had that happen to me before, where the Lord basically has opened the door. And we can't be shy. And we sometimes have to defend. We sometimes have to do a little arguing. I had to do with her because she was throwing up objections. And I was saying, your focus is off because of what you experienced. Let me share with you. And you know, you have to confront that stuff. We don't just sit passively and listen. Sometimes you have to confront people's idea of church or people's idea of clergy or people's idea of what the church is supposed to be about, which she had all these preconceived notions. Read John 8. You want to see Jesus be confrontational? Oh my goodness. <coughs> when he says to the Pharisees, well, that's because you follow your father, the devil. <laughs> I mean, he's saying that to the Pharisees. You know? Jesus is pretty confrontational. Yeah. Jesus is pretty confrontational at times. And sometimes we will have to be in our culture. And dialogue sometimes is necessary. People won't always want to discuss things. People will sometimes opt out of the conversation. They won't want to continue. You know? And uh, and that's that's the way it is sometimes. You just you just keep Just keep pursuing when you get the opportunity. Look for the Lord's opportunities. Now, sharing the gospel in different ways is one one aspect. Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples, you know, by preaching. Now, the other way is, what is the Great Commission in Acts 1? You will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Witnesses. Let's turn to 1 Peter 3.15. Get your Bibles out again. If you, did, if you put them away. 1 Peter 3.15. Page 1105. says but in your heart sanctify Christ as Lord so the first thing you need to be convinced of if you're going to share the gospel if you're going to witness this you need to know Jesus is your Savior and your Lord you need to know that <clears throat> sanctify means make holy which means set apart you have to know that you're his so if you're, if you're not convinced that you are his that's your first step figure out how to do that because most likely you will not share the gospel or witness if you're not convinced you're his. Okay, that's the first thing. 
Then, Peter goes on to write, always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Always be ready. Always be ready. I am always ready. Are you to witness, to share the hope that's in you? The hope that's in you is Christ. Are you always ready, always prepared? And yet, look at the next section because it's really, really critical. Verse 16, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. In other words, bear the fruit of the Spirit and treat the other person with respect. That's key. This is not a scalp for Jesus. This is a person that you love and you respect and you bear the fruit of the Spirit in the process of witnessing. But you, but you witness. 2 Timothy 4.2 Paul says to Timothy share the gospel be urgent in season and out of season. What's that mean? Anybody in here hunt or fish? Yeah, there's a few in here. Okay. If you're, if you're into hunting and fishing, there are certain seasons that you fit into when you hunt and fish, if you're being legal. Okay, what, what, what Paul is writing to Timothy, there is no out of season for non-Christians. In other words, always, always. Okay? That's the key. By word and deed, not just by deed, and not just by word either. Jesus said in John 4, fields are wide enough to harvest. <clears throat> we just need to be willing to go out and witness. You know, and, and we can share witnesses in such a, an easy way, a natural way. Because witness takes several different forms, by the way. And that's one of the things that I want to impress upon you. Um, you can share your witness by saying what God's done today. What God's done yesterday, what God's done this past week, what God's done this past month, what He's done this past year. You know, a witness is just testifying what the Lord is doing in your life or has done in your life. That's all. And if He's not doing anything, you got a problem. Because, like, witnessing isn't just about when I came to the Lord. That's important. We're going to talk about that. You should have an ongoing witness of the Lord active and alive in your life. If you're growing, if you're serving Him, if you're seeking after Him, if you're looking for Him to move in your life, if you're looking for Him to move in the lives of people around you, He's always moving. I am always in awe of what He's doing in my life. I shared last night with the vestry, and, and some of you have caught some of this. I've, I've had physical struggles on and off for the last four months. Some of them a little more frustrating and debilitating and painful than others. But just one thing after another, little things. Nothing life-threatening, but some of them really painful. You know what? I'm amazed what the Lord's done. I mean, I've been here on Wednesday nights in pain. You wouldn't know it. Because God's grace is sufficient. Sunday mornings, oh my gosh. If I didn't have to preach, if I didn't have to be here, I wouldn't be here. I, I had said on a couple Sunday mornings this fall, I said, Lord, if I didn't have to be there this morning, I'd stay home and stay in bed. You know? And then I'd get here, and it's like, I didn't even remember what was going on until I finished. <laughs> Once I finished, it's like, I didn't want to go home. You know? But 
The Lord has an amazing way mm-hmm. when He wants you to do something. Uh, and I love to testify to that. I love to testify to that. That He does amazing things. He really does. And He's always working if we're looking for it. Maybe not the way we want. But it's always working. It's an amazing thing. Now, what I want you to look at is you should have in your notebook uh, the next three pages uh, that are pretty blank. And I'll show them to you for those who don't have a notebook. They've got... um, The first page is you sharing your witness of when you came to the Lord. Okay? And if this is one in particular is you came to the Lord and you were not at all interested in godly things. Maybe you were raised in the church but you never were drawn. You never really made a commitment. You never really, you know, it never really stuck. And you drifted away and you rebelled or you lived this right, this life. Then all of a sudden, the gospel penetrated your heart and your life. And it has the first part I used to be. Whatever you're used to be, used to be. Okay, before you came to Christ. And then I came to know Jesus as my Savior and Lord. There was that time that I made that commitment. And since then, what's happened to you? Real simple. A witness is not complicated when you're just sharing your witness. And it might take three minutes, it might take five minutes, it might take, you know, half an hour. If you ever listen to, I remember back in the 70s, you know, when I first came to the Lord, they would invite these these, wit- these guys that had amazing witnesses. I mean, I remember this one guy who came to Young Life when I was, uh, when I, was a, I think I was a senior in high school or maybe I was a young leader, uh, freshman in college. And he used to be a mob guy. And he used to shoot people. And he came to the Lord, and they had him stand up and give his testimony. It was powerful. You know? And I heard other people like that, giving their testimony. You know, kind of like saved from the gutter, or a drug addict, or, you know, whatever. You know? And they would always pull these people up to share their witnesses. Because they were such powerful witnesses. Where it would be me. You know, they never really asked me to share my witness. Why? I grew up in the church. I was a goody two-shoes. I was a little Pharisee. You know, I was trying to earn my way to heaven. And someone basically said, Greg, you can't earn your way to heaven. I argued with them for two years. You know, and then I finally said, okay, Lord, I get it. You died on the cross in my place for my sin. I get it. I want to give my life to you. And that's when I began to change in a significant way. Understanding the gospel, that it's by grace, by faith. You know, that's the second testimony. If you grew up in the church, there had to have come a time where you made it your own. If you made a commitment at some point in your life, someone was bringing you to church, someone was walking the walk for you, but there's a point that you can point to in your life where you said, I know I made that my own. Never a time that you didn't know who God was, maybe who Jesus was. I have to say, there's never a time in my life I didn't believe in God. I was never one of these ran away from God, big time rebellion. I was never one of those. There was never a time that I walked away from the church. I always went to church. I was a goody two-shoes. I don't have a glamorous testimony. I have a testimony. 
I have a witness. And it's really going to impact some people. Particularly people that have been good churchgoers all their life and haven't a clue what faith is. The third witness, pet sheet three, is just, let me share something that the Lord's been doing with me lately. And I've already shared several things this evening if you've caught them. Because I always have something to talk about when it comes to the Lord. Always. Because I look for Him every day. Start my day looking for Him. And then at the, then that, that whole disposition doesn't go away when you start with Him in the morning. It just doesn't. That's kind of how you walk your day. Perfect? No. Especially not when my car was bucking and the part didn't come in the right part today and I was driving down the island stalling at lights on 278. I was not a happy camper. But God got me to the south end of the island. I said, thank you, Lord. <coughs> you know, so, you know, your witness. You can always witness to what the Lord's doing in your life. And sometimes your witness is going to bless believers. And sometimes it's going to draw unbelievers. And sometimes it's going to fall on deaf ears. You don't know. You don't know. But you want to talk about the Lord. If you love the Lord with all your hearts and mind and strength, you're going to want to talk about it. And if you love other people, you're going to want to tell them. Because you want to be a blessing to the Lord. You want to bless other people. Pretty simple. Really. You know, if you look at Scripture, how people came to the Lord, turn to the Acts of the Apostles. Let's just look at a couple of excerpts. <clears throat> Start with Acts chapter 8. Look at verses 14 through 17. If you look at uh, the heading over that section, Philip preaches in Samaria. And if you look at verse 14, now when the apostles of Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Two went down and prayed for them <coughs> that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet... The Spirit had not come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, so people hear the name of the Lord Jesus, they believe, but sometimes the Holy Spirit isn't released in their life yet. You know, that's a different testimony than other people. The apostles walked with Jesus for a long time. They didn't fully get it. You know, and then the Holy Spirit came upon them much later, Pentecost. You know, not everybody's testimony is the same. And then if you look at the, uh, the next section, in Acts 8, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, completely different situation. The Ethiopian eunuch is reading uh, from one of the prophets, um, and uh, Isaiah. And, you know, the reality is, he's reading the scripture already, he just doesn't get it. So Philip just happens to come, come along and explain the gospel to him. He says, what prevents me from being baptized? So he's baptized right there. Okay. Then you look at Acts 10, 
<clears throat> look at 44 in Acts 10. While Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. He was talking to uh, the Gentiles. And, uh, you know, had, had just uh, Peter had just talked about uh, the Lord to Cornelius' household. Uh, and then you look at Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. You see the Holy Spirit coming upon those at, um, where's that, Thessalon- Thessalonica. And they had only heard John the Baptist's baptism of repentance. I mean, you know, how the Holy Spirit works, we don't know. We don't know. What we're supposed to do is go out and evangelize. And go out and share our witness and our testimony. And, and just look where the Holy Spirit is moving. And be willing to go out and be used by the Holy Spirit in those places. And let the results be up to Him. We don't have to make anything happen. But we do have to be faithful. To share the gospel, to share our witness. To be His vessel, to be His instrument. We have to be faithful. It's the only way the gospel is going to spread. And let me tell you what. Satan is doing a great job of shutting Christians up right now. Through intimidation through the culture, through, you know, don't tell me what to believe. Don't tell me how to live. You know, we've talked about that the last few weeks. The culture is strong. The media is strong. The oppression and the spiritual warfare that's going on out there right now is strong. And we have to be willing to stand up, to be as witnesses, to share the gospel today. Just knowing what we're dealing with. That's what the first four weeks were about. Know what you're dealing with. But only to be forearmed and forewarned. Not. Not to be shy. Don't be shy. (laughs) Be full of His love and full of His Spirit. And full of love for others. And go out there and witness. So, you know, if you want to... You've got a little bit of time if, you, if you're not in a hurry to leave. You could actually work on one of your witnesses for just a couple of minutes and then pick out someone and share it with them. You don't have to. Just a suggestion if you've never done it before. might be a first run for you. You know, if you've never shared your witness before. Uh, just an opportunity. But uh, if you don't feel comfortable, that's okay too. But I'll take one or two questions. If anybody has any questions, I don't know that... There might be any. But, yes, Jeff, hold on. Let's get you recorded so that you're on the recording. I just want to testify. I testified that uh, I uh, promised he was meeting in Charlotte once for 700 clubs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I testified the same testimony I've always testified for 41 years that the Holy Ghost moves through his name and obedience like you mentioned of Matthew twenty eight nineteen in the fulfillment of using the name and not the adjectives which describe God. Hmm. Name of Jesus. Yes sir. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yes sir. Betty. I have great trouble witnessing to my children mm-hmm. and I, I especially have one child who never outgrew the rebellious teenage things yeah. 
I don't know how to reach these children. Well, when it comes to children and family, sometimes it's very, very difficult. You know, Jesus' brothers and sisters had a bit of a trouble with him. Um, the one thing is, is you do look for opportunities. And, for example, you can always say, I'll pray for you if there's ever a, a, something challenging they're going through. Um, and that's always a witness. Um, I say that to my brother who's an agnostic. And, you know, the last year or two he started thanking me when I'd say it. Before, he used to just keep his mouth shut. He's, and now he's saying thanks. Well, that's a step. Yeah. You know? So, um, you just keep offering. And uh, what I've also done, I shared this last week, um, that I look for other people to be used by the Lord in my brother's life. Yep. Well, I actually was proactive with it a couple of times. Um, but I really do, and I pray for that too. And I just... I met with a couple who are part-timers today, and they were talking about trouble with a sister and a nephew. And I said, you need to call a local church. She just moved. I said, call a local church and tell the pastor to get people on it, to go welcome her and invite her to church and share the gospel with her. And I said, be proactive. You know, there is nothing wrong with being proactive. When it comes to reaching family, friends, you know, and if you can't always be the one or you feel like, you know, they, they just discount you, treat you like a broken record, a veneer goes up, find other ways and just keep praying. <coughs> but never give up. Perseverance. <coughs> well, yes, hold it, hold it, hold it. Daddy. I was just like, I was how powerful the small groups can be in mm. a church. Yeah. Because um, when there are just a few people sitting around someone's kitchen table or sitting in the living room together, that opportunity to talk about, you know, trying to understand the Bible for one thing, so that's a place to learn the Word. Yeah. It's a place to share what Jesus is doing and listen to others. Because I think sometimes if people haven't, they've been in church all their lives, but they really have never heard the Lord speak to them or they don't know personally what it would be like to communicate with the Lord that's something that works so well in small groups because other people who have those experiences share them and then all of a sudden people just get more and more examples of what does that really look like Um, and I, I think I just wanted to put in a plug for all of us to be in that kind of small group intimacy because yeah. it, um, it just kind of reinforces and teaches us to be more ready to go, to go out there. Yeah, and not only that, you can, you can maybe learn some things that, you know, I am limited in my experience and insight that someone else might have more insight for Betty. And you can always pray for each other. And actually, I, I keep a running prayer list. You know, I say, I'll pray for you daily. And I mean it, because I, I write it down. Otherwise, I'll forget. And then even prayer, too. Um, you know, if people are, if we're used to praying silently while we're reading the Bible, if we're used to praying, if we're used to praying silently, but maybe we haven't had experience praying out loud when other people are around, the small group is another good place for that. Because mm-hmm. when you start praying, five people that you know and love, and you're praying for them every week, and then you share prayer requests. It just, it's like practicing. It's like any other thing um, that some of this requires some practice as well. Mm-hmm. As, uh, yeah. And just, and just a comfortable place to, yeah. to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm.
All right, we're going to shut this down. Um, and thank you uh, for being here tonight. And, uh, and hopefully all of this will be online at some point or available on CD, the whole series. And uh, hopefully this has been helpful for you the last six weeks, especially those of you that have been here. Um, I know it's been helpful for me just to kind of put my thoughts together and to articulate it. So anyway, Norm's here to take our picture, but we're going to close in prayer first. And uh, like I said, if you want to try your witness out on someone tonight, well, freshen your mind and just say, can you wait a few minutes while I just jot a couple thoughts down and share? We won't throw you out. Okay? so let's pray. Lord God, thank you for uh, these faithful saints of yours here this evening and and for those who have um, really sought to become equipped and to be thoughtful and to reflect and to think about the whole notion and idea of what's going on in our culture and think about engaging our culture and embracing our faith so that we might go out and share the gospel and share our witness. Lord, I pray that you would give us uh, a sense of peace as we contemplate the opportunities, a sense of boldness and courage as we uh, accept this call that you have on our lives to not be intimidated by the culture or the people around us, but to go forth with your spirit, with your word, and, and with love in our hearts for those who desperately need to know the gospel. And Lord, pray that you would continue to bless us and use us for the sake of your kingdom and bless our fellowship and our church so that we might be a source of light and salt uh, for those around us. And we ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.